0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
1: All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Boston Red Sox rehiring Alex Cora as their manager. This, of course, less than... In the years of his role in the Astros cheating scandal, he just finished a one-year suspension handed down by Commissioner Rob Manfred. Milos Raonic onto the semifinals of the Paris Masters Tournament. 6-3, 3-6, 7-6 win. Over of France, he saved two match points in the decisive tiebreak before winning the match with his 25th ace. He'll face Daniil Medvedev in the final. And uh, as you heard Speck and I talking about, Justin Turner from the L.A. Dodgers will not be punished for joining the World Series celebration after he'd been pulled out of the game because of a positive COVID test. And uh, Bill, or Pierre Lebrun reporting that NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly says January 1st remains the objective for the NHL to start the next season. Uh, I remain somewhat skeptical that it'll be that early, but I do think there will be an NHL season. Uh, we'll see. They should be. They they, they got to get to something pretty quick here. The NBA is talking about second. That's been going around this week. So if uh, the NBA is going with that, that if you look at the lead up time, you should look at about the middle of this month for the NHL to at least um, maybe name a more tentative date. Or I know, I know they've said that that's a target date, January first. You think they'd come up with something more definite, maybe by the end of next week or or the week after? So yet another thing to keep in mind. The Alberta Junior Hockey League season will begin. We had Gord Thibodeau from the Fort McMurray Oil Barons on the show last night, head coach and GM. He was awesome to talk to. The Double E football team will be uh, celebrating the 14 days of Great Cup presented by the Brick, starting this Sunday until Sunday, November 22nd. They will uh, break for Remembrance Day on November 11th. They're going to celebrate each of their championships with stories from EE e. legends lifelong fans and the people franchise and we'll have some things tied into this 630 Chet. and speaking of double e football dave campbell's on the line hey dave what's going on hey rito how's it going did you know john scott now has six kids what yeah he has six kids they just had a sixth kid it's like four months old
2: wow i'm tired just thinking about that (laughs) i have two when i'm tired well, you have two
1: kids, plus you sort of are uh, responsible for my well-being to some extent, so that's
2: almost like having another child. It's like maybe like four kids. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It depends I, on the day. I, depends on your mood, whether you're happy or ornery. It's like, you know, you're, you're actually good practice for child care. That's
1: a good point. That, that's a yeah. good point. The people who have had been friends with me have had practice <laughs> dealing with, with, uh, with children already. Once they get okay. to that stage in their life,
2: it might not be that bad, but it's you know it's we're kind of in the ballpark here, buddy. So,
1: <laughs> thanks. That's uh, that's awesome. Well, thanks for popping in on a Friday night. Um, uh, did, we'll just quickly tell people we we did uh, we we did have another guest in this time slot till about five minutes before the show, and then that individual said I have to wait because it does concern. Uh, perhaps the future of the, of the CFL or some speculation so we won't get into anything else uh at, at this time you can probably make two or three educated guesses on who that might have been but um i mean they, they were talking i mean we had peter diakowski on the show by the way awesome job getting him the other day dave he was awesome Thanks. he still does stuff with the cFL pa so i mean there was a pa meeting this week ambrosi has spoken in the last couple of weeks so they're like they're they're trying they know they got to keep the ball rolling here for 2021.
2: Yeah, and, and we know what the position of the league is pretty much, and it's kind of a regular, you know, kind of a regular message that we have been hearing from the league for, for a while. But when we're talking about 2021, they're going through all the scenarios they can to play. That includes, and this is the least likeliest scenario, of course, Reed, is unlimited access to to the stadium, full stadiums, that's likely not gonna happen. Uh, limited stadiums like we see in the NFL, I won't use college football for an example, because it just seems like you're just saying, hey, everyone come in, forget your mask, wear it around your chin, everything will be great. Um, but you, you've seen around the National Football League where there's limited attendance in, in some stadiums and you know the World Series, for example, and the National League Championship Series had 11,500 in a, about a 50,000 seat venue, I believe. So, you know, that kind of scenario the CFL is looking at. And then it's the bubble environment or or the hub city that they were going to use if they had a season which would have been going on right now in Winnipeg. Um, And they already have done the legwork on that. They already have a CBA for that type of uh, scenario. They understand what the setup of the bubble would be. But we heard this week, and this is, uh, you know, why we wanted to have the angle from the from the Players Association uh, tonight, and we'll have that next week, but Brian Ramsey, who is the executive director of the, uh, of the CFL Players Association, former offensive lineman of the Edmonton football team, told Post Media's Dan Barnes, we need certainty that we are going to play in 2021. So the players have basically drawn their line in the sand, saying we need to play, we want to play, we were committed to playing in 20 in 2020, and they still feel, read like they got the wool or the or the carpet ripped from under their feet uh, from the CFL, who are going to say the same thing about the government not giving them the 30 million dollars of free cash to uh, to help you know have the shortened season. So you know the the PA has said you know uh, for all along we're ready to play, we just need. The CFL to understand our position. We understand their position, but you know, let's not uh, you know let's not deviate from what we were what we worked on so hard to play a shortened season in 2020s.
1: Yeah, disappointing. I mean, we could have been moving into the playoffs here, depending on how they would have done it. Maybe the season already would have been done, I guess, if they would have done six games and playoffs, maybe it would have been over around now. But it's too bad it went away for the year. Look, I I don't believe the CFL needs to play 18 games. I I wish they would play 16. I know that could affect revenue. But Randy even mentioned that when he was on our show when the CFL called off the season or a couple days after, that even length of season, and I took that to mean, not just the, the time it takes to play the season, but the number of games, if uh, if that could be adjusted. And I wonder, too, if they might look at an earlier Grey Cup just because of the weather and avoiding clashes with other sports in the fall.
2: I think it's something that uh, is going to be seriously discussed. And, you know, I'm someone that likes 18 games, but I understand that that gets a little problematic. And uh, I just don't like three bye weeks in a schedule. I think that's silly, in my opinion, and it doesn't help the players any because... Yeah, it helps them in one respect. You get rest when you need rest. I mean, when you, if you're going if you're going to get rest during a football season, you can add an extra week. You're going to take it, but the players don't get paid. It's three weeks out of the season they don't get paid because they get paid every game. Um, so 16 games, they they've done it before. I mean, we've had Blake Dermott on this show many times, and he's talked about 16 games, and uh, you know we've we've seen that uh, in the in the past. I mean, the one time the CFL played, excuse me, CFL played 14 games. We don't want to see that. I think 16 is a good number. Um, But it's also what other revenue streams can they capitalize on? And that's what I'm waiting for is what are they going to do to try to, I don't know, innovate is the right word, but just advance forward. I guess innovate is the right word, but advance forward, finding new ways of doing things other than what they've used to do. And that's been a problem in the CFL is you've had too many uh, people that have been old school and that's, that's where they would like to keep the CFL is back in the eighties and the nineties instead of moving forward. And, uh, that's another frustration for, for the players too, is we've, we've brought so many ideas, how to create revenue and we keep getting shot down. So, um, you know, you look at the, the virtual gray cup that's happening, uh, in, uh, about 10 days from now with, uh, a lot of events online, uh, including a state of the you know state of the union address from randy Ambrosi to season ticket holders i don't think he's talking to the media at this point but that's something they could do you know some virtual events as well um but how do you advance forward how do you uh how do you find a way first through this this covid environment and chris Preston was on 6:30 30 mornings earlier today and he talked about we are budgeting everything but one thing that we do have to look at is what if we have to play with no fans? So, yeah. you know, and, and that's the reality. Where last year, teams were like, well, we're not, I don't want to do that. But this year, they might be faced with that scenario again because I don't know where the virus is going to be even in May, June, July, August, right? Like, we have no idea at this point. So, um, yeah, but really, it's, it's trying to find different ways to market the league better and find ways to, to generate revenue. Because right now, I mean, it's like, it's like two thirds revenue is is through the gate, and that's a lot of money that you're going to stand to lose. But th- this is why they should have played because they can't they can't afford a, not having a season in 2021. And I still it baffles me why they didn't play this year if it was only going to be 30 million. I only I say, but they have that money in the league within the league, and they didn't want to spend it. And I don't understand that because I think the exposure matters big time, and the CFL has missed out on that, and that's unfortunate.
1: Well, and if they would have started after Labor Day, they could have limited their crossover with the hockey playoffs. Certainly you wouldn't have you would have gone head-to-head against the NFL on Thursdays and Sundays, but you could have had Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday games. I mean, they do Friday night sure. football anyway on TSN. So you could have had a doubleheader Friday and, a, and even a doubleheader Saturday. There's no hockey night in Canada. Yes, I realize some Canadians... know a fair amount of Canadians watch college football but I still think the CFL crowd would have been there I want to throw another thing at you Dave a few days ago we had a caller and he was asking about the CFL contracts and that's not really decided uh if they're going to carry over or end but he said but he said are you at all concerned that some players may just start their post football careers this year and then not come back and i said yes that has crossed my mind we, we know most cfl players you know don't well i mean sure you're you know riley and mitchell guys like that make a lot of money some some other good players might make six figures most of them don't so maybe they've started that gone into done done the accounting or the personal training and the pocketbook is still yeah. fine and they may just say oh i'm jeez i'm retiring i I don't need to go back. I, I am yeah. a little worried about that. There could be a, a big overhaul in terms of rosters. I, I don't think they'll run out of players because, again, American no. college football. There's a couple hundred schools, but I, I worry that we could see a lot of familiar faces move on.
2: There will always be enough talent to find. You know, whether it's in this country, whether it's in in the United States, there's always going to be enough football players to find. But when you talk about the players that we know about i mean i think about i mean odell willis is, is in his mid-30s right but i would say in a scenario of six games someone would probably have taken a flyer on him and say hey if it's only six games and a, you know two three playoff games why not you know i think about a sean lemon for example who, a former eskimo who's moved around a lot in the league but a very good pass rusher who didn't get signed in the off season um, he was part of that mill group that got squeezed out because the minimum salaries had to go up by 11 grand and then they paid money, teams paid money to the stars, the handful of stars, and then there's hardly any money for the, the teams in the middle. But, yeah, I mean, it's, and we saw a lot of players, not a lot, but a fair bit of players, even before the 2020 season was decided, saying, I can't play, I got to go find, got to go find work. I mean, Ricky Collins was an example of that too, where he said, look, I got a chance to go coach at my high school and I'm gonna go there and, and coach. I mean, Greg Ellingson's doing that as well in, uh, in in Florida. So we had him on a few weeks ago. Um, that is a concern I have big time for sure. And when you talk about just the, the salaries, I, I I do believe that the contracts are just gonna simply roll over. I don't think they've totally decided that yet, but if that's right. the sense I get is they'll just roll over uh, into 2021. So. You know, whenever, you know, if they decide they're going to have a free agency, it might be a little dull. Um, You know, I mean, Terrell Walker, remember, who is one of the best receivers that we have seen come through here, here in Edmonton, but a very good receiver in the CFL, didn't get signed, right? So he's still a free agent. That's crazy, right? But, uh, yeah, like, we got to figure out how the offseason is going to look contract-wise, but I believe the contracts will just simply roll over. Um, into 2021 so if you have a if you had a year left if your contract was due to expire in february well you'll just that just probably will just trigger another year because you didn't play right so um i don't think anyone wants to have the language that oh well we're just going to have all the contracts dissolve and then it's just going to be mass chaos it's going to be like you know setting your fantasy roster playing a video game right which i've done many times by the way um (laughs) It's a lot of pressure, even though it's just you and this stupid screen and a big, uh, big, big list, right? Um, yeah, and here's another problem too. The quarterback money. I know the quarterbacks are the big stars in this league, but why does a quarterback have to make 15% of your cap? Right. That's that's limiting, that, that's not good. The, the wealth has to be spread around, I think, a little more evenly. And, you know, we all love Mike Riley, $725,000, the B.C. Lions, that's crazy. That's a big reason why they could not upgrade in other areas, you know. <laughs> and you look at Edmonton, you know, Trevor Harris makes 550, but the wealth was spread a little bit more evenly here. You know, I'm not trying to knock the Lions over the Eskimo or the uh, Edmonton football team necessarily, but I think in general quarterbacks make too much money, and I think that wealth should be spread a little bit more evenly, and I think you might have a better football team if you do that.
1: Yeah, fair point. Dave, thanks for, for checking in, especially on short notice. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, And we'll have, uh, we'll have our special guest on next week who we can elaborate a little bit more on what's going on behind the scenes. Appreciate it, buddy. Have a great weekend, okay? You too, pal. Take care. That is Dave Campbell, the producer of this show, talking a little bit about the uh, what-ifs and the future of the Canadian Football League. I do think the league has a future. I don't believe it's gonna die out, but I think they got to make some pretty important and smart decisions along the way. It is 720. You are welcome to get in touch. 780-496-0063. Email inside sports at 630ch.com. Oh, I we'll got an email here from somebody in Millet. We'll get to that. Thanks for checking in tonight. It's
0: the
1: joke to play. Inside sports at 630 ched.com is the email for the show. Jill from Millet checking in Reed, Montreal and Edmonton will be fighting for first in the Canadian division. I bet you a new rocking chair on this. Well, that's tempting to take that bet got a bit of a personal policy not to take bets with listeners because, A, I would lose most of them, and, B, I wouldn't be able to keep track of all of them. And, Jill, I appreciate it, but my current rocking chair, though uh, up there in years, is actually quite structurally sound and comfortable. I don't know if Montreal is going to be quite that good. I got them fifth. We'll see. It's fun to talk about right now. Jeff says, I don't think the CFL has to die, but I don't have much faith in their leadership with the XFL coming back with new ownership. I think they need to be smart coming back. Jeff, that's man, that's a good discussion point, Jeff. I wish we could get into that a little more or uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you and I can talk about it someday. I, personally, I don't know if the XFL is going to take eyeballs away from the CFL. Uh, there could be a competition for players, which could affect the um, – quality of play in the cfl that that's that's a fair comment Uh, i mean what have there been two xfls now that have that have failed so uh i don't know i mean maybe if donald trump isn't president he can try to start a usfl again do a better job than they did last time i don't know just wondering jeff Is it The Rock now, Kellen, that is doing the XFL?
0: Yeah, and believe it or not, Reed, he actually has deeper pockets than Vince. He's uh, right now ranked higher on, I think, like America's richest list than Vince McMahon is. So, who knows? Well, The Rock has
1: done well, right? Did wrestling and now he's uh, acting? Does he do anything else? He doesn't have any albums out. No, no. Uh, He might run for president. I don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah, let's talk about our 2024 candidates. That's that's for sure.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC.
1: Yeah, which, which sports figure would you most like to see as president? Uh, maybe we'll do that another day. <laughs> Back after the 730 news. Thanks for checking in tonight. I just tweeted out a picture of my rocking chair, which I've been hosting Inside Sports from for the last several months. Couldn't really get a selfie. I couldn't get myself in the chair and hold the camera phone out at the same time, but that's okay. Inside Sports at 630 Chat. Follow me on Twitter at Reid Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Wilkins like Dominique, who was on the show a few years ago, was uh, moderately disinterested to do the interview, but we got him on. That was okay. Uh, so- Six zero zero six three is the number to call or text uh steve sir is on the line the uh edmontonian who is the ncaa all-time leader in three-point shooting percentage steve how are you doing
0: i'm good thanks how are you reed
1: i'm doing great it's awesome to have you on the show you know i i I gotta ask you a question i've never asked you this before you made a ton of three-pointers well you still do because you still play three x three But NCAA, that's one of your claims to fame is you you have the career percentage. Was it Northern Arizona? That was your school?
0: Yep, that's it. Lumberjacks.
1: Uh, So how how would uh, players and opposing fans try to get in your kitchen, so to speak? How would they try to throw off your three-point rhythm? What did you have to deal with?
0: Um, Well... It's a good question because if you watch a lot of basketball right now uh, with the NBA, there's a lot more calls given to shooters uh, when defenders are taking liberty with them. So you're seeing a lot more guys go to the free-throw line because guys are bumping them and hitting their hand after they release it and doing little things to try and get into shooters' areas and and bother their rhythm. I I hate saying this because it ages me a little bit, but back when I played, it just... Um, people didn't do that. Um, You were allowed to be really aggressive with guys that refs knew in the game were going to be running off screens. uh, We're going to be doing a lot of running around the court because when that was happening, the, the key strategy always has been since I was 14 or 15 years old and the other team knew I could really shoot was the guy across from me was just going to say, I'm going to hold you and grab you and push you and shove you and hit you. So it's gonna wear you out, it's gonna throw you off your rhythm, and then when you do get a shot, I'm gonna step underneath you, I'm gonna poke you in the stomach, I'm gonna slap your hand when you let the ball go, little things like that just to bother you. When I was playing in Mexico, a guy would pinch me um, really hard, and I'd be trying to run around, and when I would come to a stop, he would grab my side and just pinch as hard as he could. And uh, I, that's probably one of my least favorite um, because it was pretty painful. Um, but in college, a lot of guys just came at it from a perspective of first play of the game, they look, look you right in the eye and say, you're not gonna get a look tonight. And I played enough basketball to know like, yeah, okay, pal, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> and, um, and I had great teammates that set great screens for me and set me up and I gotta tell you, like one of the best feelings in the world is when a guy comes into a game and says that, of like, I know the scouting report in and out, you're not gonna get a look. And you hit two or three, and he gets subbed out, and the coach is all over him on the sideline, and you can give him a little wink when he sits down. Um, That's one of the best feelings in the world, because you know, like, hey man, I helped you earn that spot on the bench, so enjoy. (sighs)
1: Uh, that, uh, that's not exactly where i expected that answer to go some of it didn't surprise me the pinching really <laughs> surprised me and i assume as a as an athlete as as a pro athlete it's hard to tell the ref hey watch for this guy pinching my side
0: <laughs> it, it really can be i mean especially when you're in a foreign country and you're having to explain to the ref that uh that a local player is bothering an import player it just didn't really stick with a lot of local referees um in college it's a little bit different because at some point in time uh and also in professional too guys are in reputation so if someone's famous for doing something refs are smart they're, they're going to be able to see it um if the guy has a reputation of doing it um if you're the type of player that uh is going to go to the ref and say hey this is what's happening." So just keep an eye out for it. it. I found that when I was flustered and frustrated by these things and I went to the ref panicked or overly aggressive, they would be dismissive. But if you walked over calmly and you would just be say hey, this guy's grabbing me every time I move, would you just get, keep an eye out for it? I, you know, a lot of the times the refs would. And then you, you have to do a good job as a player of not trying to retaliate because i mean like you know it, it's not usually the first action it's probably the retaliation that the refs are going to catch so you kind of have to learn how to pick your spots
1: now it was there or is there okay you mentioned a guy might say to you hey i'm going to shut you down or, or i got you figured out but would there be a lot of in-game trash talk that you experienced or, or things happening too fast to really take the time to do
0: that oh there's, there's tons of it um <laughs> for for defenders when you came into, like, using college as the example, um, my reputation as a shooter would be something that, when you prepare to play Northern Arizona, um, that's probably at the top of the scouting report of, if you let Steve get going, he'll hit six or seven or eight threes tonight, and we can't have that. So there was usually a guy across from me who his, his whole job wasn't to score, wasn't to do a whole heck of a lot else. It was to be right in my chest And follow me and bump me and bother me and if a guy was getting that done you could see their confidence grow and that often would result in guys saying stuff because you know really you watch video on players and you you hear stories about guys but I mean like so often you want to see it with your own two eyes so there were a couple games in college where it wasn't my night as much as I wanted it to be and uh, the guy across from me would say like you know You're not you're not as tough as I thought you were going to be, and uh, you're you're not as good a shooter as any of these guys are saying. And that would that would cut pretty deep. The good thing in college is you got two cracks at everybody. So if someone ran their mouth off the first time you play them, you take a note, put it in your pocket, and you come back at them hard the second time. But there's lots of stuff that gets said. I get really creative. Some guys are just trying to be mean. But it's just—it's uh, all part of the sport, and you—you um, you know, when guys are talking trash, uh, that can sometimes make it pretty fun too. Because if you hit one, there's a uh, there's a lot of room for you to come back over the top and say something too.
1: Did you ever have a fight or any sort of extreme physical altercation in basketball? I mean, I know if you throw a punch, you're out of the game. But were you ever in a in a melee in any of your leagues?
0: You know, I'm going to give you the real short version of this uh, because it's uh, it was a doozy. But um, when I was in Switzerland my second year, uh, there was a guy on another team that I didn't really get along with. Every time we played, it's exactly what I described. He was holding, grabbing, flopping when I would try and push away and he played for the really good team. So I wasn't I wasn't really getting a lot of uh, a lot of looks from the ref and he was getting some some good ones. He was he was a national team player. And uh, we would say some things to each other during the game, and, and finally it came to a head in a playoff game. Um, we were walking back to our bench after the game was over, and he was not not a real classy guy. We brought a busload of kids to watch our game that day, and the gym was full. And he, right when I walked past him, he flipped the kids off. He gave them the bird. Oh, jeez. I grabbed the back of his jersey and I said like, and I probably said some bad words in here too, but I was like, man, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing to the kids? And he hauled off and punched me. Um, He like took a step back and made a face at me and he punched me with his left hand. Now I gotta be honest, Reed, it was like a real limp wrist punch. Like it just kind of like glazed my cheek. And when this happened, like I just went nuts. So I started chasing him around the gym um, there's probably like 4,000 people in the arena and I'm chasing this guy, trying to get my hands on him to kill him. And I finally get him, And the other American from the other team grabs me by the neck, picks me up and just like slams me on the ground. This guy was huge. He was like a six nine, six ten guy. And then by that time, everyone was just the both benches were empty and the whole gym was a total nutshell. So that was the closest I ever came to getting in a fight. Um, <laughs> It was a real mess, but uh, I guess you can laugh about it now. Not, not a lot of people were laughing at it then, but uh, it was it was a decent show for everyone who paid to watch a game
1: uh swiss basketball everybody's googling that now steve sir joining us tonight uh who of course is uh the director of basketball development for the edmonton stingers your canadian elite basketball league champions for 2020 you're on the canadian 3x3 team uh and you're going to the olympics uh you know next summer which is great tell us about uh being involved with the stingers and and what are you going to be doing as director of basketball development
0: um, well, it's going to be uh, a lot of scouting, uh, a lot of evaluating and um, making sure that we're working on bringing back a, a terrific core of players to, to a championship team. Um, one of the great luxuries we have, uh, and something that we uh, we did a very good job of in the inaugural year, was um, making sure we got good players. And uh, where we got lucky was that the, these guys, who are all great in their individual right. Uh, really enjoyed playing with each other. So um, we have a really great situation of guys like Xavier Moon and, and Jordan Baker, who's a great local player, and Adika Peter McNeely and, and Matthew Comba and Travis Daniels, these kind of guys, Brody Clark. Uh, they really enjoy uh, playing with one another, and uh, that's rare at the professional level, where guys are skilled and, and individually uh, individually strong and uh they they all really like to share the ball and are enthusiastic for for other teammates success so we want to make sure that we make a a strong effort to bring those guys back um and that'll be part of 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 my job is making sure that uh we're scouting and evaluating talent so that we can fill the holes and and fill the gaps in order to continue to uh to improve and and continue to move the team in the right direction Obviously, uh, we know that the CBL is going to be a league that continues to improve, and everyone's going to probably load up to, to make their best run at the Stingers since, uh, since they won the thing this past summer. So uh, we got our work cut out for us because of this year being a little bit different and not being able to go to gyms and, and not being able to see really current footage on college guys and even some of the professional leagues are at a little bit of a slower pace. So it's, it's going to be... Um, It's going to be some work, but we're excited to do it. And uh, we know that um, if we continue to fit the model of what we've already done of tough players, skilled players, uh, high character guys that represent themselves well, represent the team well, and represent the, the league well in the community, then we're going to continue to be successful.
1: Well, I, I love what the the Stingers have done. Two very good seasons. I know it was unusual this year, but th- they did win the championship by quite a large margin. And and that's the the, the league has been. It's exciting basketball. It's up tempo. I like what they did with the ending this season, where you play to a target score uh, instead <clears> of <throat> playing the last four minutes. So I I really impressed with the Stingers and the CEBL. I, I, I misspoke there. You you're you have to you're one tournament away from going to the Olympics
0: yep we're got to play in the olympic qualifying tournament uh next may in april uh next may in austria um we got to finish in the top three of a 20 country tournament um and we like our chances Uh, we know that uh when we're playing we're one of the top teams in the world and obviously um in order to be in tokyo you got to earn it and um we're determined to be there we we know that uh when we're prepared and we're ready to go we're as good as anybody and um that's our that's our goal and that's our dream is to be representing canada and wearing the maple leaf next july in tokyo
1: yeah awesome stuff well you guys have a great team stingers are doing great uh, steve uh you know i always appreciate talking to you i appreciate uh, always the stories that you tell because you've had an incredible career and i i i should say to people i did not know steve was going to tell that switzerland story so that was an absolute beauty so <laughs>
0: thanks for, i didn't know thanks i was going to tell that story reed i can't believe you,
1: you got that out of me man
0: well, that's my job, no, no, baby. That's the one that not many people know, to be quite
1: honest. We're going to be re- replaying that one, I think, next week. That's a classic. But, hey, all <laughs> the best with the Stingers. And, of course, we'll be talking to you about the, the Stingers and 3X3 as, as we continue moving along here. Thanks so much for checking in, man.
0: Reed, thanks for having me. Take care, buddy.
1: All right, Steve, sir, uh, now Director of Basketball Development for the Stingers, a member of the Canadian team for 3X3. Yeah, so it's he explained it there. They, they got to go to a qualifying tournament first in may and then if they're in the top three there they go to the olympics pretty good chance for that they are ranked number eight in the world really good squad so he's got this feud with a guy in switzerland and the other guy flips off a group of kids <laughs> steve grabs him and the guy punches him so there you go swiss basketball the nice peaceful swiss it's seven forty-eight. it's inside sports on chet of course uh beautiful girls here by van halen also the song used in the original airing of the schmidt's gay beer commercial on Saturday Night Live, featuring Adam Sandler and Chris Farley, who uh, Farley would be my all-time favorite cast member on Saturday Night Live. A guy we lost far too soon. If uh, see, Kelly, I think you can find that commercial on on YouTube, but they they didn't use the Van Halen music anymore. There must have been a license issue or something. Oh, okay. But it is a uh, it is a beer commercial, and it turns out the beer is called Schmidt's Gay, and mm. of course Phil Hartman does the announcing for it. And he says something like, if you've got a thirst for beer and you're gay, reach for a Schmitz gay. It's very funny. Robin Capolano, the pizza delivery guy, says, great interview with the basketball guy. I rated five pepperonis out of five pepperonis. Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, That was Steve, sir. Yeah, Steve's a great guest. I love having him on the show. I mean, he played from Edmonton, played in the NCAA. He's played pro uh, all over the country. He did have a bit of a stint. um, I think he did some D-League games with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks organization a few years ago. Still going strong and has a good shot at being in the Olympic Games. Rob, thanks for listening to that for sure. 780-496-0063. John Shannon was on the show Last night, uh, talking about hybrid bubbles when the NHL gets back at it.
2: Well, it was the first one discussed between the players association and the league way back in august uh so uh, i i and reed I, I i don't know if if there's any way to say okay they're, they're looking at this more than anything else i think they're still looking at the canadian division uh as a possibility i do think they're looking at the uh at, at the capability of playing in home games uh in your own arena um uh, but I, I think a bigger issue than that right now is not where, but when. I think when is a much bigger issue for NHL and the, the NHL owners than where they play.
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of uh, John was saying you got to be done by uh, probably you know sometime in June and then, then the Olympics start and then you're trying to get back on calendar for next season. Ongoing story, of course, whenever the NHL has any news, starts the next season. We'll, uh, we'll have it. We'll have Oilers games, all that fun stuff. All right. Well, I hope you had a good week. Hope you're healthy. Hope you're, uh, you're doing okay. Again, uh, you can always reach out. I hope listening to the show brings you, uh, you know, some form of joy. Or if even it doesn't bring you joy, but listening to the show and hating the show brings you joy, that's also fine. It still brings you joy. Uh, we're going to uh, be back on Monday. I think Lanny McDonald's going to be on the show on Monday. That's pretty cool. Double E Coaches Show with Scott Milanovich and Morley Scott, Brock Sunderland, and Trevor Harris will also be guests on that show. That is Monday at seven thirty. Kellen, uh, I'm just counting her down here. I'm going to not talk. Is this the uh, Reefer Madness, Littlest Hobo song yeah, to take us is. out? Yeah, right. it is. all right. Right now, here it is by recommendation on the text line. Have a good weekend, everybody.